Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. a sermon that I've entitled, all right, and it's entitled this, One Thing Can Make You or Break You. I want to repeat that. I don't know how this fits in with theology exactly, but we'll see that it does. One thing can either make you or break you. All right, choosing God will give you victory. Amen. Choosing God is not just to make you a churchaholic, a super spiritual person. The true service of God impacts every area of your life. What do I mean by that? Well, I had a mother who got saved. Man, she was adamant. Our whole family came in because of the faith of my mother. And so when you get saved, you will impact others. When you get saved, he will provide for you. He will supply for you. When you get saved, he'll be with you in the midst of your storms. How many have had storms? So getting saved and having one thing in our lives that is important doesn't mean that we're just stuck. It doesn't mean that we're narrow. It means that the blessing of God maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. How many can say amen? But you know, if we choose to live our old lives, our sinful lives, if we choose, for instance, drug addiction, excessive alcohol, the unclean things in this society, if we rebel against God, if we live for just the love of money, those things will destroy you. Not just you, but those around you. And so how important it is to recognize that we want to have the right focus in our life. And that's why I entitle this, One Thing Will Make You or Break You. I want us to turn to Psalm 27, and there we'll read a Psalm of David. And before you read it, I want to remember, remind you, of course, you know that David was a king. He had a lot of responsibilities. He had an army, he had an administration, he had a nation to guide, God's people. And he says this in Isaiah, excuse me, Psalm 27, verse 4. And I'm going to read it to you, all right? Psalm 27, 4 will be on the screen. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So here we see that David talks about one thing. Now I looked up in the Greek what that word one means. And it means the root of. It means to unify your thoughts. It refers to having one purpose in your life. It's not that you'll just do one thing. Many of you are business people. Some of you are students. You have families. You have children to raise. You have concerns. You have other things in life that take up your mind, take up your time, and that's legitimate. And we look forward to getting back to some of those things in in a larger way. But 
This is talking about your focus. What is your root? What is the thing that you're pursuing that's the most important thing to you? Good question. David says, I'm going to look at that verse again, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now that doesn't talk about being in the church all day. In fact, this is not the house of God. This is the gathering place of God. You are the house of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God wants you to seek him. He wants you to seek his presence to abide in your temple. He wants you to seek the Lord. David understood that. In that time, of course, he'd go into the temple and get before the presence of God. But he says, I seek this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You could say it this way. He desired that he would dwell in God's presence all the days of his life. And there's value in that. In that presence, you're changed. Wow! It says we're changed from one degree of glory into another as we behold him. Do you know prayer is not just interceding and talking to God. It's receiving from God. We're changed, the Bible says, from one degree of glory as we behold him. Prayer is beholding him. David knew how to behold him as a king. God led his life. God blessed him. Said he's a man after my own heart. Not because he was good looking like me. That was a joke but because he loved God and he followed God. Saul, he never inquired of the Lord. What a bust, even though he was tall. I'm not tall, but kind of dumb. But David was humble. He knew that his strength was in the Lord. He said, as for God, his way is perfect and he makes my way perfect. He understood that the Bible says clearly there's a way that seems right unto a man and the end thereof is the ways of death. But oh, to dwell in the presence of God, there's safety. There's blessing. There's daily provision. There's revelation. So this life and experience with Christ is not just in our heads or in our church or in our pastor. It's in all of us. Look what it says here then. To behold the beauty of the Lord. You know, when we come into his presence, we realize the revelation of who he is is mighty. Sometimes God will so come to you in those times, and we've had a taste of that, where he'll hold you in his presence, where his whole, your spirit will just touch you and fill you, and you'll become so aware of him. I heard a missionary say years ago that when we praise him, we lift him up. We exalt his name, but when we worship him, we bow down before him. Sometimes you don't want to move. There's no words that should be spoken. God is in his holy temple. Let all flesh be silenced before him. But he's working in that inner man, and he's revealing himself. He's changing you. He's birthing things in us, and we can inquire at his temple. We can bring our needs there and our burdens there. Oh, aren't you thankful that David was a one-thinger? And what a king he became. What an example he became. What a focus he had, even in his busy life. 
You know, I'd like to say living for sin and self is an eternal mistake. I thought that was good. Living for sin and self is an eternal mistake. Living for Jesus Christ will bless you not only in this life, but you'll sure be thankful in eternity. And so what is our focus? Well, he wasn't the only one who had that pursuit. I, I love the life of Paul. How many are thankful for the ministry of the Apostle Paul? How many have marveled at his writings? You know, he didn't go to Bible school, guys. He went to the school of the Holy Ghost. He said, the gospel that I preached unto you is not after man. Neither did I receive it of man, but I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul got alone with God. I'm not against Bible school. They can be used. My wife went to Bible school. Praise God. But there's Bible schools and there's Bible schools. I think in this world we kind of correlate, you know, education. Like, you know, we pattern the Bible schools after a college course. You don't get it that way. It's got to come through the way of prayer. It's got to come as you get alone with God. You can't just stuff the head with information. And so Paul was so confident of what God gave him. He said, if any man preaches another gospel than that which I preach, let him be accursed. That's not a nice thing to say. But he was so confident of what God showed him. Because he said, I received it by revelation. And what a precious and powerful man he becomes. I want you to look at some of the things he says to us in the book of Philippians, all right? Philippians chapter 3. And he says this, this one thing I do. Isn't that amazing? It's Philippians chapter 3. In verse 13 and 14. I'm going to read 13 first. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He's a one thinger also. First thing he had to do was forget his own life. You know, he was engaged in some mighty, mighty, mighty persecutions against the church. We're told the day that Stephen was persecuted, Saul was standing and, and he was over 2,000 other Christians being slaughtered and stoned. He had some things to forget. And I want to remind anyone who feels like you failed the Lord, forget it. Maybe in past life you've walked and you have remorse because of it. Forget about it. It's under the blood, amen? He's forgiven and forgotten it and remembering it and being sorry about it is not going to change it. But this is what he does. My page blows over here. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Read verse 14 with me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul, as David, says this one thing, this one goal I had. Well, he wasn't a church mouse. He traveled the world three times. He wrote 14 books in the Bible. He changed the world he lived in because he came in contact with the mighty one. He made a choice to find him 
to pursue him, to go after him. And oh, what a mighty man he became. A my powerful man, one of the greatest men in eternity. What a brilliant man he became. And so, oh, how important it is that our focus and what a wonderful life he had. And you know, speaking to us today, the Bible says to us in Matthew 6, 13, very familiar verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Actually, in that passage, the Lord was talking about their financial need, their need for bread and shelter. Do you know God makes a way where there seems to be no way? And I have found, and I didn't mean to say this, and this is no coercion or hint, but I just want to tell you, those who tithe have more in their pockets. I don't understand it. I can't tell you how it works. All I know is the Bible says, prove me if I have not poured out upon you a blessing. Dad Severn used to say, some people say I can't afford to tithe. And he used to say as a pastor, you can't afford not to tithe. If you want to open up the windows of heaven, obey God by faith and see the blessing flow. But it works in many, many ways. When you put God first and you seem to be spending time that you could spend other ways, God multiplies that time and moves in your life and he works miracles over you. Hallelujah that God is standing by your side and as you seek him God will do outstanding outstanding things in your life praise God so I have one more illustration I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10 and this is very special to me and some of you will recognize it when I read it to you the Lord spoke this verse to me as a young Christian but I want to relate the story. It's in Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to start with verse 38 and 39. It says this in verse 38, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, you had sisters, how many know in families, you know, sometimes you can have two kids and they can be very much different. And, uh, and God knows, and we have that different kind of thing. It seemed like Martha was a doer. She liked to be busy. She liked to be serving, and she was very dutiful. And that's okay, you know, there's a place for that. But somehow Mary had something that Martha didn't understand. She began to just sit at Jesus' feet. I can imagine that when Jesus spoke, something started burning. She was receiving something. Martha wasn't aware of it. It wasn't big sin. She just was just all enamored with everything going on. And I kind of think sometimes that can happen to us. It's an interesting thing. Martha goes to Jesus and says, you know, kind of rebuke my sister. She's sitting here, that lazy thing. Verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? Bid her, therefore, that she will come and help me. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing, but one thing 
is needful. And Mary hath chosen that better part that shall not be taken from her. Now you know there's need in the kitchen. And there's needs in life to be practical. But would you agree with me that the central thing, the root that all of us need to adhere to is taking time. And I remember as a young Christian, I came out of a church where I didn't know God. And you, some of you heard this story. Forgive me. I won't tell it ever again. But, you know, I got very intense with the Lord. Jamie, you remember how intense I was. I can tell you a funny story, but you think I'm crazy. But I've been called first. So yesterday was my wedding anniversary, 33rd wedding anniversary. And, uh, oh, yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, am I fortunate to have Sister Honey. She is such a blessing in my life. Well, I had covenanted with the Lord back then that I would pray a certain amount of time each day. It was two hours. And I hadn't got, it was after the honeymoon. We were in my nice car. <laughs> and I hadn't finished my prayer time. It's my honeymoon night. Now, don't do this. Wedding night, wedding night. So I pull over, cross Bay Boulevard in New York to finish my prayer time with my wife sitting there. She was praying with me. Now that could seem kind of crazy, and maybe it was. And God makes us to kind of balance things out. By the time I was done, all the hotels were closed. We had to go home and have our honeymoon night at my mom and dad's, and it was great. And praise God. But I want to tell you something. I got very intense. And when you start really getting intense with God, people get worried about you. They're not worried about you when you're running in sin. They're not worried about when you're doing crazy things and maybe killing yourself, right, Joseph? They don't care. But that's okay. That's normal to the world. But once you start putting this one thing first, once the root of your life is pleasing God and knowing God, they think you're crazy. And even pastors went to my mom and said, oh, you know, when people get really earnest with the Lord, they can go crazy. Well, I wasn't going crazy. I just had begun to taste something I wanted more of. I just began to become apprehended by this God who was calling me a different way than I ever thought. And so I began to cry unto him and call unto him. And my mother got concerned. And this is a true story. One night she said, I'm just going to go down to the basement and I'm going to talk to Mike about getting a little lightened up. Go out back out with the friends. Have a good time. And she got halfway down the steps and the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, you leave him with me. He hath chosen that better part that shall not be taken from him. I needed that time of intensity. I needed a time to get away from the world and get my head clear and get new priority and begin to touch God. My ministry began in the basement, not in Bible school. It began because I got away alone with God. And I'm so glad I got alone with God. And I heard teaching then, like I'm teaching you now, bunch of lazy folks. Oh, it's all done. You don't have to seek him. You don't have to pray. You don't need the Bible study. You don't need. That's a lie. You need the word more than ever before. You need the work of the spirit in your life. You need the presence of God in your life. You have an eternal purpose. And that should be our one thing. That's not just my call. It's our call. Because God is standing at the door 
And he has wonderful, wonderful things for every single person. And so I thank God for this word. Jesus said, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken from her. And so I believe today God's calling every one of us to be one-thingers. And if you can say yes to God, I promise everything else will become better in your life. And you will carry the blessing of God and people will see it. Your family will see it. You know, there are a number of one-thingers in the Bible. I'm thinking of Abraham. Do you remember dear Abraham how he left Ur of the Chaldees to travel in to possess the land of Canaan with the Jewish nation. And out of that Jewish nation came Jesus, that the blessing of Abraham might be poured out upon you. You know what the blessing of Abraham, Galatians tells us? It's the Holy Spirit by faith. Do you know the blessing we have as Christians is because of this man left all and became a one-thinger? And we don't think of it that way. But down through the generations, we are blessed by the faith of Abraham. Look at the three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shagrach, and Abednego. Three young men. Nebuchadnezzar makes a statue, says when you hear the music, you have to bow. But they who serve God, they wouldn't bow. Oh, that's such an interesting story. And then they throw these three kids into the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and he says, you know, we threw three in. See, there's a fourth man. <laughs> and he looks like the son of God. Open that furnace, let them out. Those three came out unscathed. They were one-thingers. And it spoke to the world because Nebuchadnezzar, the ruling emperor of his day, declared that the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, he is God. You know, God only uses one-thingers. He can't use half-hearted. He can't use those who are somewhat interested. We have a basketball coach here, one of my good friends. At least I look at it that way. And he knows if you're going to become a good basketball player, you need to be devoted some to it. Am I right, Darren? You can't get involved in everything else and just think you could pick up the ball and play in the game you got to hone your skill. you got to give it some time. you got to learn the nuances of the game. You need to learn to dribble with both hands. You need to learn to shoot with each hand. Short shots, layups, big shots. You need to know the game. And it's the same thing with the things of God. You need to practice his presence. Walk in his spirit. Spend time with Jesus Christ. We have another one thinger. Her name is Mary, the young girl. The angel came and she said, be it unto me. What words? How she changed the world. How God used her. I'm thinking of Daniel, how he prayed. And because of his prayer, Israel was released from captivity and came home to build the temple. God uses one-thingers. But I have one more last one-thinger. You know who it was? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I do always those things that please the Father. It's my will. It's my meat to do the will of him who sent me. Again, folks, 
God doesn't use the half-hearted. He doesn't choose those who don't care enough. He's looking for us to have that one thing in every one of our hearts. God will bless that so greatly. I want to say in closing again, it's not that you become odd or weird or negligent of your daily duties. You just invite God into the midst of your life to bless everything. And not only does he bless everything, but he gets you ready to reign with him. Hallelujah. Come on, did you hear that? I didn't tell that the last service. He's getting us ready to reign with him. He's got a big place for us in heaven. And he's going to fit us into that everlasting kingdom. So goodbye, old world. I'm through with you. You have nothing in this world to give me. Nothing that can really, really make me to fulfill. This world is my pilgrimage. And this is my wilderness. But I'm following the cloud. I'm following my God. And he's leading me to a promised land. Now, you know, I kind of apologize for this sermon because it's a little spicy, but I'm a nice guy. I think of the children of Israel, millions, but only two went in. I look at the church of Jesus Christ. If you took the millions of Christians that are evangelicals, believe on the word of God, how many you think have a daily time of seeking Jesus every day? How many do you think really spend time digging in the word? How many do you think are really faithfully seeking him? Probably 10%. He says, no, he doesn't think so. And so, folks, today my exhortation is, be a one-thinger. <laughs> Make the best of this run. This is not a practice run. This is the race. And our King Jesus has gone before us. And he laid down everything. He always did the will of God. And that Jesus is in you. And that just Jesus in you can work in you that mighty work that he has for you. And he's going to fashion us together in that everlasting kingdom. And I can promise you, and I've been promising things in my little sermon, as I promise you, if you become a one-thinger, you will never have a regret. And I also promise you that if you go after those things and you live distracted and you just let everything become too important to you and that day you'll look back and say, I wish I could have. But maybe today you'll look back and say, hey, I thank God for this little Yankee who told me the truth. God has something special for every one of you. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. That you, you, you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Would you pray with me? Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you are a one thing or you want us to say, Lord, strengthen it. Or maybe you feel like you've gotten distracted and you just kind of, kind of lost your way and your touch of God. Today is your day. But how about we all make our root our unifying focus, pursuing Jesus, loving him. Praise God. I'm going to ask my wife if she'll pray for us. Oh, praise God.
praise the Lord. I sense such a hovering of his presence. I sensed it from the very beginning of the service. It's a little different than it was in the first service. Can't explain it, but I just sense God coming. Lord, I thank you that you're in working in our hearts. And Lord, we want to say, Lord, we give ourselves wholly to thee. We belong to you. And Lord, I pray that you'll set within each one of us a greater understanding of your word, a greater hunger and desire for you and for your word and to walk with you continually. Lord, we don't want to tell you what to do, but God, we want you to guide our lives. We want you to live out your life within us. We want you to have your will and your way every moment of the day. Lord, you haven't called us to be something big, but you've called us to be an empty vessel that God can fill, that God can take over and make a difference in this world. Lord, you want us to be world changers, and that takes place by an empty vessel that takes time alone with you, that gets to know you. Lord, and we pray that you'll work in every one of us. God, give us a greater hunger. God, we pray you'll set us free from anything that hinders that great sight of Christ. Oh, Lord, of wanting that one thing, wanting you more than anything else in this world. Lord, you'll make us to be better in what we do if we seek after you and you're first and you're living out your life within. God, do it for us today. Cause that light of the Holy Spirit to burn bright in every heart from the youngest to the oldest. And Lord, those that are listening also online, God, we believe you're imparting help today and we bow before you and we say Jesus have your way Jesus we're all yours hallelujah we surrender all and God we're believing you're imparting within us hallelujah a deeper hunger a deeper desire to know you and to want you and to spend time with you we thank you Lord in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah